0: Part 3, Chapter 13 of The Secret City. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Secret City by Hugh Walpole. Part 3, Chapter 13. That night, whether as a result of my interview with Semyonov, I do not know, my old enemy leapt upon me once again. I had, during the next three days, one of the worst bouts of pain that it has ever been my fortune to experience. For twenty-four hours I thought it more than any man could bear, and I hid my head and prayed for death. During the next twenty-four I slowly rose, with a dim, far-away sense of deliverance. On the third day I could hear in the veiled distance the growls of my defeated foe. Through it all, behind the wall of pain, my thoughts knocked and thudded, urging me to do something. It was not until the Friday or the Saturday that I could think consecutively. My first thought was driven in on me by the old curmudgeon of a doctor, as his deliberate opinion that it was simply insanity to stay on in those damp rooms when I suffered from my complaint, that I was only asking for what I got, and that he, on his part, had no sympathy for me. I told him that I entirely agreed with him, that I had determined several weeks ago to leave these rooms, and that I thought that I had found some others in a different, more populated part of the town. He grunted his approval, and forbidding me to go out for at least a week, left me. At least a week? No, I must be out long before that. Now that the pain had left me, weak though I was, I was wildly impatient to return to the Markovitches, Through all these last days' torments I had been conscious of Semyonov, seen his hair and his mouth and his beard and his square solidity and his tired, exhausted eyes, and strangely, at the end of it all, felt the touch of his lips on mine. Oddly, I did not hate Semyonov. I saw quite clearly that I had never hated him. Something too impersonal about him, some sense, too, of an outside power driving him no i did not hate him but god how i feared him feared him not for my own sake but for the sake of those who had was this too arrogant been given as it seemed to me into my charge i remembered that monday was the thirtieth of april and that on that evening there was to be a big allied meeting at the Bourse, at which our ambassador sir george buchanan the belgian consul and others were to speak I had promised to take Vera to this. Tuesday, the 1st of May, was to see a great demonstration by all the workmen's and soldiers' committees. It was to correspond with the labor demonstrations arranged to take place on that day all over Europe, and the Russian date had been altered to the new style in order to provide for this. Many people considered that the day would be the cause of much rioting, of definite hostility to the provisional government, of anti-foreign demonstrations and so on others idealistic russians believed that all the soldiers the world over would on that day throw down their arms and proclaim a universal peace i for my part believed that it would mark the ending of the first phase of the revolution and the beginning of the second and that for russia at any rate it would mean the changing from a war of nations into a war of class in other words that it would mean the rising up of the russian peasant as a definite positive factor in the world's affairs but all that political business was only remotely at that moment my concern what i wanted to know was what was happening to nicholas to vera to lawrence and the others even whilst i was restlessly wondering what i could do to put myself into touch with them my old woman entered with a letter which she said had been brought by hand The letter was from Markovich. I give this odd document here exactly as I received it. I do not attempt to emphasize or explain or comment in any way. I would only add that no Russian is so mad as he seems to any Englishman, and no Englishman so foolish as he seems to any Russian. I must have received this letter, I think, late on Sunday afternoon, because I was, I remember, up and dressed and walking about my room. It was written on flimsy grey paper, in pencil, which made it difficult to read. There were sentences unfinished, words misspelt, and the whole of it in the worst of Russian handwritings. Certain passages I am, even now, quite unable to interpret. It ran as follows. Dear Ivan Andreevich, Vera tells me that you are ill again. She has been round to inquire, I think. I did not come, because I knew that if I did I should only talk about my own troubles, the same as you've always listened to, and what kind of food is that for a sick man? All the same, that is just what I am doing now. But reading a letter is not like talking to a man. You can always stop and tear the paper, when perhaps it would not be polite to ask a man to go.' But I hope, nevertheless, that you won't do that with this, not because of any desire I may have to interest you in myself, but because of something of much more importance than either of us, something I want you to believe, something you must believe. Don't think me mad. I am quite sane, sitting here in my room writing. Everyone is asleep. Everyone, but not everything. I've been queer, now and again, lately, off and on. Do you know how it comes?' when the inside of the world goes further and further within, dragging you after it, until at last you are in the bowels of darkness choking. I've known such moods all my life. Haven't you known them? Lately, of course, I've been drinking again. I tell you, but I wouldn't own it to most people. But they all know, I suppose. Alexei made me start again. But it's foolish to put everything on to him. If I weren't a weak man, he wouldn't be able to do anything with me, would he? Do you believe in God? And don't you think that he intended the weak to have some compensation somewhere? Because it isn't their fault that they're weak, is it? They can struggle and struggle, but it's like being in a net. Well, one must just make a hole in the net, large enough to get out of, that's all. And now, ever since two days ago, when I resolved to make that hole, I've been quite calm. I'm as calm as anything now, writing to you. Two days ago Vera told me that he was going back to England. "'Oh, she was so good to me that day, Ivan Andreevich. "'We sat together all alone in the flat, and she had her hand in mine, "'just as we used to do in the old days, when I pretended to myself that she loved me. "'Now I know that she did not, but the warmer and more marvellous was her kindness to me, "'her goodness and nobility.' Do you not think, Ivan Andreevich, that if you go deep enough in every human heart, there is this kernel of goodness, this fidelity to some ideal? Do you know we have a proverb? In each man's heart there is a secret town at whose altars the true prayers are offered. Even perhaps with Alexei it is so. Only there you must go very deep, and there is no time. But I must tell you about Vera. She told me so kindly that he was going to England and that now her whole life would be led in nina and myself i held her hand very close in mine and asked her was it really true that she loved him and she said yes she did but that that she could not help she said that she had spoken with him and that they had decided that it would be best for him to go away then she begged my forgiveness for many things because she had been harsh or cross i don't know what things Oh, Ivan Andreevich, she, to beg forgiveness of me. But I held her hand closer and closer, because I knew that it was the last time that I would be able so truly to hold it. How could she not see that now everything was over, everything, quite everything? Am I one to hold her, to chain her down, to keep her when she has already escaped? Is that the way to prove my fidelity to her? Of course I did not speak to her of this, but for the first time in all our years together I felt older than her, and wiser. But of course Alexei saw it. How he heard I do not know, but that same day he came to me, and he seemed to be very kind. I don't know what he said, but he explained that Vera would always be unhappy now, always, longing and waiting and hoping— Keep him here in Russia, he whispered to me. She will get tired of him then. They will tire of one another. But if you send him away— Oh, he is a devil, Ivan Andreevich, and why has he persecuted me so? What have I ever done to him? Nothing. But for weeks now he has pursued me, and destroyed my inventions, and flung Russia in my face, and made Nina, dear Nina, laugh at me and now, when the other things are finished, he shows me that Vera will be unhappy so long as I am alive. What have I ever done, Ivan Andreevich? I am so unimportant. Why has he taken such a trouble? To-day I gave him his last chance, or last night. It is four in the morning now, and the bells are already ringing for the early mass. I said to him, "'Will you go away? Leave us all forever. Will you promise never to return?' He said in that dreadful, quiet, sure way of his, No, I will never go away until you make me. Vera hates him. I cannot leave her alone with him, can I? Here there are three lines of illegible writing. So I will think again and again of that last time when we sat together, and all the good things that she said. What greatness of soul, what goodness, what splendor! and perhaps, after all, I am a fortunate man to be allowed to be faithful to so fine a grandeur. Many men have poor ambitions, and God bestows his gifts with strange blindness, I often think. But I am tired, and you too will be tired. Perhaps you have not got so far. I must thank you for your friendship to me. I am very grateful for it. And you, if afterwards you ever think of me, think that I always wish to. No. Why should you think of me at all? But think of Russia. That is why I write this. You love Russia, and I believe that you will continue to love Russia, whatever she will do. Never forget that it is because she cares so passionately for the good of the world that she makes so many mistakes. She sees farther than other countries, and she cares more. But she is also more ignorant." She has never been allowed to learn anything, or to try to do anything for herself. You are all too impatient, too strongly aware of your own conditions, too ignorant of hers. Of course there are wicked men here, and many idle men, but every country has such. You must not judge her by that, nor by all the talk you hear. We talk like blind men on a dark road. Do you believe that there are no patriots here? Ah! How bitterly I have been disappointed during these last weeks. It has broken my heart. But do not let your heart be broken. You can wait. You are young. Believe in Russian patriotism. Believe in Russian future. Believe in Russian soul. Try to be patient and understand that she is blindfolded, ignorant, stumbling. But the glory will come. I can see it shining far away. It is not for me but for you and for Vera, for Vera, Vera. Here the letter ended, only scrawled very roughly across the paper, the letters N.M. End of Part 3 Chapter 13